We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, folks? This is Rob from Striking Gold. I wanted to talk to you guys real quick about On the Hook. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we're here from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They'll chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life. It's all in there. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. Blue Liar. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he died, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! Alright folks, welcome back. Still Rob Louder here, still striking gold. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, all-around good guy, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? What's up, what's up, man? How was your uh how was your victory Monday, as they call it? It was good. I mean, you know, outside of uh, staying up late, recording the podcast, me getting to sleep around midnight and waking up at 4.30 a.m. to go work out, you know, aside from that, you know, it was all good. Hey, don't be a bitch, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm gangster, man. I I thug through it, so we all good. That's that's impressive, man, because I know 100%. There is a 100.0% chance that had I been on your schedule, there would have been no way that workout was happening. I would have, before I even laid down, my alarm would have been off, and or whatever my, you know, my the latest thing I was obligated to, I would have slept right up there. I'm a, I keep trying to do these morning workouts, man, but every morning it's tough, and it really just, to me, the hardest part is not waking up, it's getting to sleep on time. To your point, yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like if you don't get to sleep on time, then the, you know, it makes the waking up hard. Yeah, and, and it was hard, but and I actually laid there for a few minutes, and the only thing that got me up out of bed was the day before. Uh, my wife, my wife actually drove to Missouri 
to um buy this dog. So her her and my son D they they went out to Missouri to buy this dog. So it was just me and my daughter dealing at home, you know, for the whole day. And um I mean we were eating pancakes, we ate uh ice cream sandwiches, we <laughs> ate a bunch of fruit snacks, you know, we just like it didn't like ate pizza for dinner. Like it, we just I ate so bad that it was like I have to get up and go work out. And I knew I wasn't going to work out later because the Chiefs and Bills were playing, the Cowboys and Cardinals, and I didn't want to miss these games or any part of it. So I just thugged it out, man, and just went early and, and worked out, man. But, yeah, it, it was tough, but that was what pushed me, man, like the, the crap I ate all day yesterday. Is there a, a specific dog that gets grown in Missouri? <laughs> Why did they go to Missouri for a dog? Uh, Some kind of rescue or something. Uh, yeah, oh, I don't okay. know. Yeah. So now yeah, you're going to have a new dog? Yeah, yeah, it's here. What kind of dog is it? Uh, Poodle Shih Tzu or something like that. <laughs> Shih Tzu. I'm such yeah. a big kid. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, Poodle Shih Tzu. Her name is Stormy. Oh, no. I know what you guys are thinking out there after you just said that name. Dirty. <laughs> that Stormy is the name of that that porn star that Donald Trump was all mixed up with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, it's good that you didn't know that. You're yeah. a good man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you yeah. know, talking about. I know we're probably about to get into football, but when you talk about just sloppy football play, the Cowboys are the epitome of that. Like their their offense sloppy. Um, they turn the ball over a ton. They've dropped a bunch of passes. Their defense, they're getting bombed on. Like, these are things that, you know, happen every single game. Like, it happens every game. Every time I watch the Cowboys, just sloppy, sloppy play throughout most of the game until, like, late in the game when they're down 100 points, Dak Prescott starts throwing for a bunch of yards. But, yeah, man, like, this is just – it's not – and I kind of expected it, right? You know, you look at Mike Nolan – he sucks as defensive coordinator, and that, that's who uh, McCarthy hired. Cause, like, that's his friend. It, it's just it's not not working. Everything they tried, and I mean two and three, and they don't even look competitive right now. No, I say that doesn't even have Cooper anything did, to do with. Uh, dang it! I'm playing against him in fantasy right now. That's all right. Um, and it's not even like – even when they had Dak, like obviously they were more explosive and, and the offense could score like hella points if they needed to, but they were still just like in shambles. You know, like it's just like – it's it's a team that should be impressive that's not that impressive. Like it's – and to me it's like – it's not necessarily a deficiency in talent. I mean they've, they've got a pretty good team. It's just like they have so much – problems with just basic football stuff like it's 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 a little weird to watch yeah they should be they should be dunking on everybody with that offense even with Andy Dalton I mean Andy Dalton's not necessarily good but when you have that much talent and that many targets to throw to like you should be you should be stunting on people and uh, so so let's talk about this for a second all right um and kind of how it correlates to the 49ers and kind of what the receivers are doing right now I'm looking at a stat C.D. Lamb has one catch for negative two yards, and we are now in the third quarter of the game. And, you know, we looked at – now C.D. Lamb just got another catch. So he has two for, like, four yards. All right. So we look at the 49ers, and, you know, we'll probably, you know, stat check and look at Brandon Ayuk as a rookie. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have compared, you know, Brandon Ayuk stats to C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson and these other guys that are putting up a ton of yards. And you're like, well, the production isn't there for – for Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, watching this game, like, you can see why. Cowboys are in a similar situation as the 49ers in the sense that the offensive line isn't holding up as well. Or, you know, well, that was up until last game for the 49ers. But, you know, even then, it's, you know, you, you need a quarterback that's going to consistently work to get you the ball. And uh, as I say that, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick just picks off a pass intended for CeeDee Lamb. So, the, the, you know, uh, Andy Dalton, he's struggling to get his receivers the ball. They're pretty much a non-factor uh, so far, you know, in this game. And they're struggling to put up stats. But we've seen them put up stats. So we know they're talented. And that's kind of what the 49ers are going through. They've changed the, the entire dynamics 
of their offense to kind of suit what Jimmy G does well and in in turn is kind of taking the 49ers receivers out of the game as pure pass co- like uh, catchers. Like they've kind of turned into more of just gadget guys because they're not pushing the ball downfield. And when I say downfield, I mean like, you know, 10 to 20 yard throws, right? Like in, in that window, you know, 15 yard throws in routes, like 49ers have completely gone away from that. And you see the 49ers like receivers, their stats are struggling with that. Even yesterday, I mean, you can look at the box score and see Debo Samuel had six catches for like 66 yards and a touchdown, but every single pass was behind the line of scrimmage. You know, it is just, it's it's really tough, man. You watch it and you know what type of receivers the 49ers have, and they just have not been able to incorporate them into the passing game outside of jet, jet, uh, you know, fly sweeps and, and shovel passes. And it's kind of, it, it's, it sucks. It sucks to watch it as somebody that's like really high on the, the receivers that the 49ers have. Yeah, I know. I, I know. And we put that in our notes for, uh, uh, for later. Um, it's just, it's just a, a weird off. I mean, it's a combination of Shanahan's scheme, a combination of Jimmy Garoppolo's, uh, injury, a combination of Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, lackluster play at times, a combination of a, a bad offensive line, a combination of Aaron Donald being on the other side. It's like, it's, I mean, but they still, even when, even when Aaron Donald wasn't on the other side of the line, this, that was kind of still their approach. I mean, you go back to the Super Bowl and Debo Samuel had some normal catches, but at the same time, you know, a bunch of his big plays were, were on those end arounds and reverses and stuff. So it's, I mean, it's just the, uh, do you think that that is, does that, do you think that has anything to do with who is that quarterback? And, and that's not to say that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he has been, you know, at times, really efficient in what Kyle Shanahan has asked him to do, do you think that Kyle Shanahan maybe changes what he wants to do based on who he has at quarterback? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, and I don't necessarily – I don't know if it, it – you know, it seems like there's just kind of like a two-way relationship there. And, I, I mean, obviously that's an obvious, but it's it's just a trust factor between Garoppolo and Shanahan that, that's going both ways. And I think, at least right now, they're kind of like building that – back up, you know, um, I just think it's, it's something that has to be kind of restored based on kind of how bad that week one game was against Arizona and then how bad Jimmy was, uh, with the high ankle sprain. And he looked a lot better, uh, against, against the Rams, but we saw the game plan was completely, you know, twisted, not twisted. That's kind of a, has a negative connotation, but the game plan was just completely tailored towards those short passes and just getting the ball out as quickly as possible. And I don't really know where the percentage falls as far as a lack of trust in Garoppolo and a a desire to keep the ball away from Aaron Donald. stuff. Like, I think there's just a huge mix of factors in the way that game played out. Um, but, I, I mean, I think it just comes down to I would like to see the 49ers push the ball downfield more, and I think that's why the offense didn't have as much success in the second half. I don't necessarily think it was because – Raheem Mostert didn't play in the second half. I just think the defense made adjustments to the way that the 49ers were playing, and they still had some success, but the majority of of the 49ers' success on offense came in the first half when they were utilizing all those plays. And then the Rams, of course, are going to adjust, and it was a lot less effective, and it was really just – there. I think Jimmy Garoppolo only made like a handful of throws that were more than – or excuse me – up to 10 yards downfield. The vast majority were like right around the line of scrimmage. So even the one to Kittle that scored the huge touchdown, I mean, he was only like 10 yards downfield. So it's just, I don't know. I just don't know what to attribute it to, but it's been a while now. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, all the way through the playoffs, the 49ers have kind of just shifted their, their focus to everything short. You know what I mean? It's it's just been a weird transformation. I know and a lot might- of it has to do with the West Coast offense, but you know because that that's kind of you know you look back at at you know the the glory days of the Forty ers offense with you know whether it's Joe Montana or Steve Young, and you will see a lot of slant routes, a lot of things right now. You actually even see, which I was surprised, 
the end arounds to J- Jerry Rice. Like he was like the original D- Debo Samuel. Like they used it often. Like I I would have to look up how many uh, rushing touchdowns Jerry Rice had, but it was a decent amount. Like compared to what you probably would think, but they also took shots. They also, you know, Steve Young also threw the ball downfield. Like Joe Montana also threw the ball downfield. And we saw Jimmy G take a shot. And the only reason why they took a shot was because the clock permitted it. If it weren't for that, I don't think we would have even seen that deep shot attempt. You know, where the 49ers have like no timeouts and like 18 seconds. And it's like, okay, well, got to push it downfield to see if we can get downfield and clock the ball. Like that was the only reason. And I get it in the sense of Kyle Shanahan schemes more deep shots open than just takes deep shots, but you you have to. I mean, you have guys that can win vertically, and it's something that the 49ers just do not do. And I've seen it enough. My, okay, so while we're on Jimmy Garoppolo and the whole thing, I always thought that Jimmy Garoppolo will see will see Jimmy G be more efficient and take his game to the next level. Uh, this year, right? After he gets a full year under his system, last year was his first year starting uh, an entire season. And obviously different things have happened this year, but last year we saw a little bit where, you know, there were times where Kyle kind of pulled back on Garoppolo and what he was asking him to do. Obviously you mentioned the, the playoffs as well. And, but we've seen in other times where he played extremely well and we leaned on him to win the game. Now, one thing I will say, in those circumstances, they were tight games a lot of times, and the 49ers still had the threat of the run game. Right now, kind of, well, not this game, but, like, the Dolphins game. And he's hurt, so it's it's hard to know how much to put on Garoppolo, but you kind of see it looks kind of ugly when he has to throw. Even I go back to the Cardinals game where the 49ers had 24 rushing yards by their, by their running backs, but... Even then, the game was tight. They fell behind, but then they came back. They ran the. They were still able to run the ball because they fell behind so early in the game, and the the threat of the 49ers being able to run was still enough to be able to work Jimmy Garoppolo off of play action and things like that. He struggles a lot as just a drop back passer, like and to the point where I'm watching the game, and I don't know if you had this same issue, but or if you were thinking the same thing, but every time he dropped back to, to throw the ball, I'm almost holding my breath. Like, like, <laughs> like, oh, no, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, damn, like, why do I feel like that? I used to be so confident with Garoppolo. And I know I'm kind of being hard a little bit, but and, – and he's dealing with injuries and things like that. But even week one, it just looked rusty, and maybe it's because there's no preseason. But I always feel like I'm just – I'm making excuses. I'm making excuses. I'm making excuses. You know, oh, you know, okay, they stopped throwing the ball in the second half of the Vikings game, but it was like, well, they didn't have to. They were in control. But it was just like most teams just don't stop throwing the ball at all. Like, you know, like just certain things, and it's like I've had some friends kind of tell me, and they're like, nah, like your your coach is trying to protect them. Like your quarterback's not who you think he is. And I've always ignored it. And now I'm just like, man, maybe they were right. You know, and, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see. There's a lot of season left. I don't want to hit the panic button all the way. It's just certain things I'm just kind of noticing. And I kind of went on this tangent because I'm watching the Cowboys game and how the receivers have kind of been ineffective. And then obviously, you know, uh, thinking about the 49ers and kind of how, how they just – the passing offense is just weird looking. It's just weird. Yeah, I think it's it's just such a a, a multifaceted – discussion on why the 49ers offense is the way it is and why the 49ers asked Garoppolo to do what he does and why they ask the uh, the receivers to do what they do. It's just there's just so many things that go into it. And I do think some of it has to do with Garoppolo's play. I mean, we saw against the Vikings in the playoffs last year, Garoppolo made some bad reads and some bad throws that should have been picked off in the in the playoffs and they weren't. And uh, they kind of got lucky, but then we uh, there was like a very specific point in the game where it was obvious that Kyle Shannon was like, all right, we're going to run the freaking ball. And it worked, you know, it worked because the running game was just that good. But I think I feel like going all the way back to the playoffs, maybe in that Vikings game when, you know, there were just some some throws that, that Shanahan saw and was like, whoa, 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 like, like, come on now. And 
you know, it's just kind of built off that. I mean, Garoppolo was healthy week one against the Cardinals, and that was not a good game for him. It was pretty bad. It was it was a bad game for a lot of people, um, but it wasn't a good game for him. And I feel like, you know, then, you know, coupled with the injuries, Shanahan just has to dial way, way, way back. And I think – I feel like this offense is slowly going to, if Garoppolo stays healthy, if the offensive line keeps playing how they played, uh, against the Rams, then I feel like we'll see, we'll see some steady steps forward as far as, you know, the depth of the targets and, you know, trying to push the ball downfield and be a little bit more dynamic. It's just, it's just in a weird state right now where you're in this, you know, Garoppolo's coming back from injury, maybe a little bit of trust factor there, going against some opponents that kind of dictate a game plan like that. And it's, uh, you know, they're moving. I don't know. I just, I just wouldn't be surprised if we see a steady kind of, you know, um, improvement as far as what we're talking about. And, and that's what I'm hoping. And, you know, one thing we failed to mention, too, um, we, we did talk about uh, kind of the second half and how it kind of looked a little clunky and everything. There also were two drops that were not on Garoppolo, right? So, you know, you had the Kendrick Bourne drop. That was a third down uh, play. And you had the George Kittle drop. So those were two things that maybe could have, you know, moved the sticks and maybe we, we would have seen him throw more, you know, 10 to 15-yard passes. But – uh, those were the two things that kind of shut down a couple of drives. So I do want to throw that out. It, and I, I, I'll say this about Garoppolo. Like, he did uh, – he was very efficient in the game plan, like in executing the game plan. So whatever Kyle Shanahan asked him to do, he did that extremely well. I'm trying to figure out why. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's Aaron Donald. It's like, man, I've watched the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan against Aaron Donald plenty of times. And I've never seen him dial it back that much, you know. So, again, it, it just seems like we're kind of, like, making excuses. And for any team, any team, everybody plays around. And, you know, Aaron Donald, he's a beast every time somebody plays him. And still, I've never seen – and maybe it's Kyle Shanahan being a genius and he's just different than everybody, but I've never seen them pull back on their quarterback that much to where every single throw, for the most part, is at or behind the line of scrimmage. That was – very interesting to me, but yeah, I, we've kind of been going on for 20 minutes about Garoppolo. Um, <laughs> I still, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm done with him. I, I, I think I'm just starting to figure out who he is, and, and I think well, that's and, where I'm at now. And Kyle Shanahan talked about to to get one last little word in. Kyle Shanahan talked about what you just said in today's press conference. Like he still feels like those two are figuring out who each other are and what they want from each other because you know. Jim Garoppolo showed up in 2017, played five games after Beathard went down with an injury and was good. Was not as good as people think he was, though. He was good. He made some impressive throws and some impressive drives. But, I mean, yeah, you, could either, every, you could go. I, go ahead. No, no, no. Say, say, uh, I, I know every, what you're going to say. Say what you're Yeah, gonna say. well, everybody goes to that. Well, oh, when are we ever going to get 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo back? Like, when are we going to get him back? And I'm like, dude, like. Last year was 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's exactly what he looked like. And he you was know, his, for the most part he was pretty good last year. Like he was yeah, I he mean was there good. were some games where where they were obviously going a different direction, but I didn't have any problems with Jimmy Garoppolo last year. He as he a whole was, as a whole he looked like the same. Like his touchdown to interception ratio actually was better last year. I think he threw what seven touchdowns, five interceptions in 2017, but as far as the efficiency of the offense it was very 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 similar um right. was there like, was no it, people are coming out here acting like jimmy garoppolo averaged like four touchdowns a game zero interceptions over those five games like he right. just like patrick <laughs> nah. mahomes to those five he games didn't even throw every- a touchdown against the bears like it was like 15 points off all field goals now he did leave them down on the game winning drive which he did um also against tennessee titans um, played well in a couple other games, but, you know, threw multiple, like, interceptions against, like, the Texans and the the Rams in that uh, game against, like, the reserve players. Like, there were things where he did very well, but there were a lot of things where it just – it looked a lot like last year. And people talk about or refer to 2017 as if it was just, like, you know, a Matt Ryan MVP type season. And it wasn't that. Like, I think it was just like, oh – like, this is a solid quarterback. Like, this is good. I think 49ers found their quarterback. That's what I was, you know, thinking. And right now, I look at him as, I, I, I don't know. I, I know you can win with him. 
Like you, you can win games with him. You could possibly win the Super Bowl with him. I just think that everything has to be a little bit more ideal of a situation if he's at quarterback. And that's a lot of quarterbacks in the league. There are very few guys that can overcome um, not being in the best of situations. But, yeah, I I, I just think it, it has to be like you have to, you know, more times than not play good defense. Um, you know, you, you have to get the big run after catch opportunities. You have to have the threat of the run game for the most part. Like if you want to be consistently good with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, I think you need those things to kind of be in your favor. Right. I agree with that. Let's, uh, before we get, we could just talk about Jimmy Garoppolo for hours. Uh, you know, I could talk about the way he looks for hours too, man. That jawline is just incredible. But anyway. You have that, that little uh, stubble. Like, I, I, when I like start to grow out my beard a little bit, it doesn't look like that. I don't know about you, but well, you have a full beard. Yeah. Mine isn't like full. But yeah, mine looks like, like that. But I'm, but I'm, but I, my face still does not look like his, though. Yeah. My beard <laughs> might look like his, but my face does not, um, you know. So, anyways. Indeed. Let's let's get to some sponsors. Let's give some love to Indeed, to Pepsi. Let's get these guys out of the way so we can get into our winners and losers from Sunday's win over the Rams. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners at Striking Gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. The offer is valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. So yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Anyways... Anyways, so winners and losers. Let's get to some winners and losers. Now, to to slightly maintain the Jimmy Garoppolo, I still think overall, while there are things to consider, obvious factors to consider, and what we're still viewing from Jimmy Garoppolo, I think overall Sunday was a very, very good day for him. And sure, it wasn't all that demanding, but at the same time, contrasted with what happened to him um, against the Dolphins and how, you know, whether it was injury or poor play or a little bit of both, uh, it was good to see him back in the the plus column, playing good football and and executing the game plan. Um, his final stats were were impressive. There was a lot of yards after catch in this. I think over 200 yards of his passing yards were after the catch. I want to say about like 84 percent of his 84 percent of his yards were passing yards were after the catch. Right, right, yeah. It was it was a ridiculous number. But he completed 23 of 33 passes, which is 69%. Nice. Um, for 261 yards, and like Croc said, like 220 of that was after the catch. It was unreal. Um, he averaged 8.1 yards per attempt. He was never sacked, which is a nice little testament to the offensive line. Uh, he scored three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 124.3 QB rating. Um, a few drops mixed in there. Um, one kind of leaned towards his fault. The other two were clearly not. So, a solid game for Jimmy Garoppolo, a step in the right direction, a confidence booster, a positive 
you know, a positive night for him. And hopefully, like me and Croc just talked about, more than enough. Um, hopefully, just kind of this is like a baby step towards him being, you know, a real quarterback that like slings slings the rock a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, you know, um, Crocker, who was your uh, who was your first? We kind of covered Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. Who was your first winner? Uh, my first winner was the offensive line. You know, like you said, like they kept him clean, and, and not only that, like I thought, you know, for the most part, they did a really good job of creating some good running lanes for uh, Raheem Mostert, even though his yards per carry wasn't the best, but I thought they did do a good good job of just um, allowing him to hit creases at times, which the, the, the run blocking have been terrible um, up until that point. So I, I, I thought they did well with him. And then uh, the backup came in, not just the backup, but the third running back after Mostert kind of got banged up a little bit. But uh, the, the, the rookie out of Baylor, I don't know why I'm whiffing on his name DeMichael right now. Hasty. DeMichael Hasty, thank you, thank you. Great co-host. Uh, Hasty, he looks a little – does he run he a little bit like Devontae Freeman with, for, like, to you? He like a little yeah, bit, he, like, he, looked, he looked quick. Yeah, he has what I call um, – he has, like, moves on top of moves. So it's like a – it's like a ha-ha-ha-ha. Like, he gives you that. And <laughs> Dude, that, what was that? Well, you got to do that one more time. Like a ha-ha-ha-ha. And as I'm, like, <laughs> saying it, like, I'm doing it too. Like, I'm doing, like, a little shake. But – um. You know, the other, like, 49ers backs um, typically in the Kyle Shanahan system are, like, more like one-cut guys, and he's, like, a two-cut guy. Like, he, like, has a cut on top of a cut. And it just looks different, but I like him. Show nice little burst, nice little um, explosiveness, and, you know, in just a few carries. Like, you know, it's not like he did anything, like, super special, but I'm pretty sure they'll be kind of giving, giving him a bigger role. And I actually – I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but – I probably would give him more carries than McKinnon. I think I'm kind of there. So yeah, I, I don't, but, I don't blame you. I mean, yeah. at least they should, if if Raheem's out, and I haven't really got to the the Kyle Shanahan news, but if Raheem's out, uh, I think at the very least, or most, however you look at it, uh, they should be splitting. You know, I feel like I'm sure Jamichael Hasty is is probably pretty decent in the passing game, um, but you know, if you wanted to to use McKinnon more in passing situations and, and hasty and more in rate typical running situations. I don't know, but he did look good and he had plenty of, of good cutbacks and good, you know, good sudden movement to get himself some, some yards that, you know, and, and a couple of his runs didn't exactly look like the yards were there, you know, and he, he made some stuff, stuff happen. So, yeah, I mean, it would be so typical for an undrafted free agent who turned into a superstar under Kyle Shanahan, to be challenged by an undrafted free agent that looks like he could turn into a superstar under Kyle Shanahan. You know, like, obviously, I've got to pump the brakes. I'm not saying Hasty looked that good, but it would just be typical. You know, of course, of course he is. But anyways, you got anything else on, uh, on yeah, the well, line? Offensive line. Offensive line, um, keeping the quarterback clean, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo clean. I think, like, he got, like, hit, like, like one time. <laughs> Or like knocked down one time or something like that. Like it was like it was really good. It was a really impressive um, performance by the offensive line. So. Yeah, it was good. Daniel Brunskill, when he was matched up against Aaron Donald one on one, he held his own. Um, the, the even though the offensive line you know, gave Donald a healthy amount of double teams, um, it, it looked good. I mean, if you go on and you check the just the box score, obviously it doesn't tell the whole story. But they held Aaron Donald to two total tackles combined and then one quarterback hit. That's it. I think this is coming off a game where he had four sacks. You know, like the 49ers did a really, really good job against Donald. Um, who was it that we were just talking about last pod, This, this, the safety crocker that now works for NBC Sports? Dante. Dante Whitner. Yeah. Dante Hittner. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but I know I saw him today talking about how the 49ers – offensive line made Aaron Donald just give up. You know, they 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 put so much attention on him and you know, did such a good job of containing him that whatever Dante Whitner saw, he said that they made Aaron Donald just kind of give up. And uh, there was some impressive stuff in there from the 49ers offensive line on the Debo Samuel touchdown. Um Brunskill was able to reach block Aaron Donald and then drive him or slow him up enough to where he couldn't make the play on Debo Samuel, who apparently Aaron Donald has not heard of, which 
it's not a big of a deal as people were making it, but it was still kind of funny to watch it unfold. But well, you anyways. you well, I've been in NFL meetings, and and even for like skill position guys, they just call guys by numbers. So, right. Right. Like they don't say like you typically you're not watching film and they're like all right uh, when you get Andy Isabella over here like no they they just call them by numbers like when you get 17 like okay hey 16 here like so and that's even if like that's typically in the defensive back meeting so I, I don't know what it's like in a meeting where it's the defensive line I'd assume that they're not mentioning Debo Samuel by name or even talking about him at all. They might talk about what they like to do as far as like end arounds and stuff, but I doubt they kind of say their names. So if he's not somebody that like uh, sits and watches like Monday night football or Thursday night football, because, you know, I think a lot of people think like these players just know who everybody is around the league. And and that's not really true. They, they know who the big name guys are. And they know who the guys are that they go against. But if it's somebody like Debo Samuel, who has played well in moments, but if you're not – okay, it's like this. Like, if you were to ask um, Trevon Diggs who the Arizona Cardinals right guard is, like, he he's not going to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, right. yeah, I, there is a scenario where I think 49er fans are like, how do you not know who Debo Samuel is? He's a household name. And it's like, household name to who? not to some of these players who are actually in the NFL and, you know, unless they're playing a team, like they're playing on Sundays, you know, 49ers are playing on Sundays. Uh, the Rams are playing on Sundays. So a lot of times when the Niners are playing, the Rams are playing, like they're not watching the games that the 49ers are playing in. Maybe they watch like Monday night football, Thursday night football, but some guys want to reset. Like, it's like, shoot, this is my day off. Like I don't feel like watching, you know, football right now like I want to chill with my family so you know it, it just depends on the guy he he just might not watch a lot of football right yeah it was it was funny to see everybody unfolding like it was the ultimate disrespect towards you know the the unbelievable talent that is Debo Samuel and I say that with a little bit of sarcasm obviously Debo Samuel's is good but I mean he's not out here getting these 100 and 100 yard receiving games with two touchdowns or nothing like I, I don't know. It was just it was just funny. Like, oh my god, the disrespect! Can you believe it, bro? But anyways, my next winner and cover the kids' ears up if they're listening is Jason Motherfucking Verrett, man. Yeah, Jason Verrett, dude. Like, god damn that dude. Like, I am just so freaking happy for that guy because I mean, you're talking about. An ACL tear, an ACL re-injury, a shoulder tear, an Achilles tear, spraining his patella. Like, the dude has just spent more time on IR than on an active roster, and somehow this man has just continued to work, continue to grind, continue to rehab, and continue to just show an, an unbelievable amount of drive that, frankly, I don't know how many people have in the world or the NFL. Like, this guy <laughs> has just told – have – Every roadblock after roadblock after roadblock in front of him. And the dude, like that juggernaut gif, is just breaking through every single one of them. And now he's out there playing like an elite NFL cornerback. And, and, and you know, the we all we talked about it in the pod. Like the Rams were going to be a good test for him. Like let's see how, how he does against an elite offense with some very, very good receivers. And you didn't hear a whole lot about him until – you know, he had some impressive pass breakups, and then the Rams ran a bunch formation in the end zone, and, and Jason Barrett and the rest of the, the defense played it perfect. And Jason Barrett essentially ran the route for the receiver caught, and caught an interception in the end zone, got his feet down, got the touchback, and it was just like, like, dude, man. Like, I mean, that was like a, a an I'm back moment for Jason Barrett, and it's – I just, I mean, the guy is so incredibly talented. It's just so impressive, excuse me, for him to have gone through what he's gone through and managed to work back. I mean, you're talking about the NFL, folks, home of the absolute best of the best football players on the planet, athletes that are so freaky you wouldn't believe it. It's And he's out here just with like 18 season-ending injuries just 
making them look bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's I can't I just can't tell you how impressed I am, man. And Pro Football Focus says Jason Verrett has allowed a passer rating of seven point eight, which is wow. the best mark in the NFL. I believe you would have a, a higher passer rating if every single one of those passes towards Jason Verrett were incomplete. But because he's caught an interception, you know, it obviously drops below that mark. Like, the dude is just out there with his predator dreads, getting his fucking strap on, and it's like, and that's really bad wording, but straps when the DB locks a guy down. It's, it's straps, bro. Like, so, I mean, I don't know, Croc. You can, you can be a little bit more technical with it if you want to, but goddamn, man, Jason motherfucking Verrett. Like, I'm just so happy for him. Yeah, no, I'm not going to get, uh, you know, more technical with it, but he's just playing extremely well. And it's like every week I keep saying, okay, like obviously I, 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 he's been playing at a high level. Like I'm seeing it. I know it's extremely impressive. But maybe this is like the game where it just doesn't look as great. You're right. The, and, the come down to earth game. Yeah. And no, haven't, hasn't come down to earth yet. <laughs> he's still up there nope. uh, playing at an extremely high level, man. And, and it's, uh, it's really exciting to see. And, you know, just – not that I'm waiting for him to come down to earth, but just, you know, you just think, like, is he going to, like, continue to play at this high of a level? And it's like he keeps doing it. And the first couple of weeks it's like, okay, well, you know, Giants, like, all right, like, who do they have, you know? And then it's like, oh, you know, another another team, like, uh, uh, who who did play after the Giants? Uh, the Dolphins. No, Eagles. And, and oh, so Eagles, the, yes. Sorry, the, Giants, the, Eagles. The Eagles, and you're like, uh, okay, well, maybe it's, you know, it's just the, it's the Eagles receivers. They don't really have receivers, so that's why it looks good. And then Dolphins, and it's like, well, he's balling against the Dolphins. Like, yeah, they're killing the other side, but he's doing his thing. And then now, you know, fast forward to the Rams game where we knew that would be the ultimate test, and he played extremely well there. I mean, he's just playing some really, really good football. Yep, I'm excited for him. Obviously, I'm excited for him out here talking about strap-ons and shit. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, another winner I had on here was Kyle Shanahan. Um, and the guy's just working with an insane amount of, of injuries and kind of resiliency. And, and, and it was just – it was good to see him get out there and put together if, – if it wasn't – okay, here's a better way to put it. If it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo, then it was Kyle Shanahan. So which, whoever you want to give that credit to, and I would lean towards Kyle Shanahan, then you got to talk about them both. Like he, has, like that right there was just a phenomenal game plan that basically made, along with the offensive line, made Aaron Donald a non-factor. They were able to move the ball. I mean, that opening drive, which was like six plays and like 70-something yards, and it just like, you know, a statement drive. And no, they couldn't really get much going in the second half. But they did enough along with the defense to get the win, and I feel like he just he put together a pretty pretty masterful game plan against the Rams, and who were by all accounts and purposes a a, a much better football team than the 49ers, and uh, the 49ers looked like the better squad out there. So yeah. it was it was interesting. It was there's just and with all the the amount of injuries, you know, Ben Garland was injured in that game. He doesn't have Weston Richburg. You know, and then on the defensive side of the ball, no Nick Bosa, no D Ford, no Quan Alexander, no Richard Sherman. Tart got hurt in the game. No K1 Williams. You know, Raheem Moster got hurt in that game. Trent Williams even went out for a little bit. And it's like all that just like I just feel like during these games, somebody's just constantly hitting Kyle Shanahan with a bat, and he has to still go out there and and do his job. I just thought it was impressive, and it was a it was something that had to happen. We talked about that, Croc. Like they had to win that game. And if they didn't win that game, or even worse, if they got blown out again, we would be having some really, really dark conversations about the 49ers. And here they are, you know, and, and that kind of win can, can propel a team and can, can give them the confidence they need to to just get it in gear. You know, they're, they're, now, they're all throughout the week going to be thinking, okay, if we can give it to the Rams, then we can give it to every single one of these teams on this, this little run they've got coming up. So that was just a big moment for Kyle Shanahan and his team, and I, I felt like he handled it. Handled it pretty well. Nah, definitely a lot. Uh, just how he came out, you know, the the initial, you know, first drive, the the script, and how, you know, I want to say, 
Jimmy Garoppolo had 66 yards and a touchdown, and it was shovel pass, screen to Ayuk, shovel pass, screen to George Kittle, shovel pass, Debo Samuel touchdown. And it was like, man, <laughs> the way he did it and, you know, got guys going sideways uh, against, uh, you know, a defensive line that definitely can penetrate uh, with with uh, Aaron Donald. But, you know, he got it going sideways, and I, I thought that was an extremely uh, effective uh, game plan and you know everybody executed like I said you know I gave props to the offensive line obviously Jimmy Garoppolo executed extremely well uh, but Kyle Shanahan man like he definitely put on his wizard cap uh, for that game and that and that type of game plan to neutralize yeah. Aaron Donald like that alone is is hard so that was big time stuff. All right so all right let's get to our our losers some of these are obviously the 49ers played a good game. Some of these are, are conditional losers. You know, they didn't necessarily play a bad game. They're just within, you know, within their condition, within their situation. You know, they're kind of, I guess you could say, in an unfortunate situation, making them a loser of circumstance type of deal. So, Croc, who was your uh, who was your first loser from the 49ers uh, win over the Rams? Uh, the defensive line, and I, I I don't I don't put a lot on them because I I do think that you know it's like well what do you expect from some guys that, you know, you're missing, you know, your your bookends, right? You're, you're missing D4, you're missing uh, Nick Bosa, and then on top of that, you you lose Solomon Thomas, and then you bring in Ezekiel Ansa, you lose him, uh, there's no Blair, you know, so it's like, I don't want to, like, put too much on them. I haven't really been, like, happy with how Hyder has played, but you go out there and you don't get – a sack at all on on uh, uh, the quarterback Jared Goff, who's not mobile. And there were times where they flushed him out of the pocket, but just the fact that you don't get him down at all, I kind of have an issue with that. I kind of have an issue with that. Um, he had all day, especially on play actions. Oh my gosh, on play action passes. I mean, he had all day. Kudos to the secondary; they played extremely well. Um, with how much time was really given to Goff, and he still a lot of times had nowhere to go. That was extremely impressive by the secondary. But, yeah, defensive line, uh, they definitely are the losers of, of the day um, with with that performance. I, I wasn't too happy about that watching the game. Right. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with that. And, and I think it's it's good that you prefaced it with, obviously, they have a ton of losses. But, I mean, to really get absolutely no pressure whatsoever on Goff. I mean, he was only hit twice the whole game. No sacks. It was just – it wasn't – it just wasn't enough, you know. And, and the 49ers were just lucky that Goff couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in this game on, on a lot of these passes. Or, or it could have been a different – could have been a different look. Um Trying to, to figure out who I want to do here. Um, I guess my next my next loser, and it kind of blends into the conversation we were just having, is Emmanuel Mosley. And Mosley had some plays. He did make some plays. He made some impressive pass break. I think he made one. I'd have to get the official count. Um, but he did make an uh, – actually, he made three. They have him free with three pass breakups. I remember one that was just very impressive, where he just sat on the route and jumped right in front of it and just easily batted it down. But – he kind of had a rough game from on a couple standpoints. You know, there was there was the one play. Obviously, the one everybody's going to remember was the deep shot, kind of uh, for the Rams trying to come back uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, threw a deep shot, and Emmanuel Mosley just didn't really get his feet under him, and kind of started hanging on the the wide receiver and got flamed, flat flamed, got flagged for pass interference, which would have put the Rams' offense at the one yard line anyways. But instead, not only did he get flagged for pass interference. But he allowed the receiver to make the catch anyways, so it was a touchdown. So I mean that wasn't that wasn't the greatest showing. There was also another pass. I think it was was it super late. And when was that? When was that that cup drop, Croc? Was it was that super late in the game? Uh, was that at the very end when they were trying to score? I, I want to say it was the same drive that that um, Brett right Brett got the interception. So that that okay. definitely was later in the game, like like. Like yeah, I eight think it was, minutes or so left in the in the fourth quarter, somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, Manuel mostly was covering Cooper Cup on that on that same drive when the the Rams approached the end zone and and uh, Cup got open and the throw was pretty good actually and and, and Cup should have caught it but he dropped it so you know Manuel Mosley was very close to giving up two touchdowns 
um, in that game. And luckily he didn't, and then the, the Rams ended up going for it on fourth down, and that's when Jason Verrett picked off that pass and, for the most part, turned the tide of the game. Now, and another way Emmanuel Mosley is, is a loser is this guy's a starter who is, you know, it's never this simple, but who's getting outplayed by Jason Verrett right now. And Richard Sherman's going to be back shortly. So somebody's got to get benched. And I have a feeling it's not going to be Jason Verrett, uh, which is the way he's playing. I don't, I don't see how you could take a guy off the field playing like that. Uh, and it's, you know, the 49ers are kind of faced with a tough decision. Obviously, Richard Sherman is the star, uh, starter. He's, he, he wouldn't accept anything less. Um, so unless Emmanuel Mosley can really kind of put himself in a, in a really positive spotlight and make some serious plays, then I, I would have to say that he's going to be the one that gets, that gets put on the bench when Richard Sherman comes back. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Croc? Yeah, no, nah, it's tough. I've been really just like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll wait and we'll see it play out. I think if you're the 49ers, obviously you probably want Mosley to be the guy and you want him to be able to take control of, of that position. But, you know, you threw out the stats uh, you know, uh, Verrett is just playing out of his mind. And, I, you know, as much as you probably want to go with the young guy who, you know, you signed as an undrafted free agent and you've been working to develop him, I, I think you have to go with you, – you got to go with with Verrett in this situation. I agree. I agree. And that's just – I mean, it has to be a meritocracy. You know what I mean? Especially at that position. And if you don't know what a meritocracy is, it's it's based on your actions. You know what I mean? And and Jason Verrett has been all about that action. And uh and he's just to me that's it's benching a guy like that just it's it doesn't sit well. And there's there would even be people in the obviously there's nothing wrong with Manuel Mosley. I'm not saying he's playing bad, but benching a guy like Jason Verrett, you know, with the story that he has and with the plays he's made and and kind of like one of the game-defining plays against the Rams, I, I just don't see how you can put a guy like that on the bench uh, right now. So we'll see. We'll see. But, Crocker, we talked about this, kind of talked about this already, but kind of just as a joke. Um, well, before we get to them, because that's kind of a funny, lighthearted thing to end on, uh, I put Raheem Mostert on here. Um, and obviously, Raheem Mostert has done nothing wrong. He played tremendously uh, against the Rams. And again, it's not really a box score thing. You watch the game, and, and Raheem Mostert was dictating that game for the, the first half. And uh, now he has suffered a, a high ankle sprain per Kyle Shanahan. And it's unfortunate because he just came back against the Dolphins, and he played really well against the Dolphins. Uh, obviously, no losing effort. And then he played really well. Uh, against the Rams, and now he's he's right back on the bench, and he's probably going to be on injured reserve, which, remember, is a minimum of three weeks. So, I mean, the guy can't catch a break uh, right now. So, you know, I feel bad for him, but obviously he's a loser in this situation. He has to sit there and watch, you know, uh, whether it's Jarek McKinnon or Jamichael Hasty or Jeff Wilson. You know, he, he has to sit there and watch other guys go when he's clearly the guy in that backfield now, and it's not close. Even with Raheem Mostert not playing in the second half, even with him not even touching the field other than one play, he had 17 carries for 65 yards, and then the next person behind him was Jermichael Hasty at nine, and Jarek McKinnon with six, and Debo, Jimmy Garoppolo with four. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo averaged four yards a carry. Good for, or excuse me, two <laughs> yards a carry. Good for you, brother. Um, so, you know, it just sucks for Raheem. It sucks for him because – He's like I said, he's clearly in that position to be the guy in Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is kind of rare. You know, he usually doesn't. Even when he had Tevin Coleman and uh, what's the other guy you just mentioned him, Devonta Freeman. Even when he had them and they were both good, like they were, they split that stuff like fifty-fifty. And and Raheem's very clearly the guy, and and then he gets hurt again, and he doesn't get the flex out there. So, you know, I kind of threw him on our losers just to just to give him a, you know some condolences there on the tough break. But then the one thing you, we, you've kind of already talked about it, Crocker. I put, I put Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk on here as losers because not because they did anything wrong, just because they don't get to go out there and do wide receiver things. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, they, they, they're out there and, you know, they're used as gadget guys and it makes me upset. Uh, not upset because I mean, they're out there and they're, they're, they're being productive in their own way. But, you know, you see, 
other guys getting the ball and making plays. And you know the 49ers receivers have that ability, and they just don't get the opportunity. And it's kind of it's really kind of wild. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just you just want to see, you know, you. I mean, go back and go look at Brandon Ayuk's junior season. I believe it was junior season. Could have been senior season. Go look at Brandon Ayuk's highlights from his last college season. Like that dude is a legit wide receiver that can make plays down the field and and get open deep and I mean he's not a, a burner but he he gets open deep he makes guys miss he makes big plays and and here he is taking handoffs around the left side you know like it's just you want to see them throttle it up just a little bit so that these these genuine you know first round and second round wide receivers that are very talented dudes can just do their thing. Like I said, do do wide receiver things. Run slams, run outs, run digs. You know, post go routes. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, like, don't, we don't we don't say we don't say go route around here, bro. It's just that's not a part of the forty nine. Yeah, it's like nah, just take this uh, shovel pass. <laughs> all right, <laughs> they don't even get to catch the ball. We're just gonna hand it to you. All right, just 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 take it and do what you can do. But we're not even you're not even gonna have to catch it. They don't even. They don't even need their gloves. Just leave their gloves on the bench, man. Let your hands breathe because they're just going to hand you the ball anyway. So, right. now, yeah, you know, worry. like you said, we're, we're joking, but we just we just hope to see um, them utilize the receivers more. And like you said, let them do receiver things. Yep. And everybody yep. just looks yep. at the guys like, oh, well, they're just they're just the run after catch. And, I mean, not even that. Like, people just look at them like they are – I feel like they look at them like they're not real receivers. And Outside are. running backs. Right. So yeah, get get the get the pass game going, and and I don't I'm not sure if if the New England Patriots are the team to get the pass game going against. You know they got a pretty good secondary, right? You know they got a pretty good secondary, and they got a good scheme to kind of prevent that sort of thing. But you know you just just do the damn thing and and make it to where your your wideouts get to do wideout things. So, anyways. I think that's it for us. I think we're done. I think that's it. I think we've we've done a good job. You know what? Real quick, I don't want to. I don't want to just ignore them. I never went over the Shanahan stuff. I'm going to do this really, really quick. Um, along with Mostert and his ankle, uh, Ben Garland, the starting center, injured his calf. He's likely going on injured reserve too. Um, so it's Hronis Agrasu time in San Francisco. Uh, Trent Williams uh, sprained his ankle, and uh, Jaquiski Tart pulled a groin, and they're kind of both being evaluated right now. Um, Kyle Shanahan did say that Weston Richburg had an additional shoulder surgery. Um, you know, originally he had a, he tore his patellar tendon and, and that had to be repaired, but apparently he also had a shoulder surgery and he's not expected back until like the last, you know, the, the later, like third of the season, if at all. Um, and yeah, no, that's it. That's it. That's it. I, I felt like I was leaving out more than that, but I wanted to make sure I, I got that out to you guys just in case you needed that info. Um, but anyways, that's it for us. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Make sure you guys hop on iTunes, whatever, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and if it, if it allows you to leave a rating and, and some reviews, and do that for us. It doesn't even have to be good. I'm just saying leave us a rating and a review and stuff. Be honest. Be honest. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Let us, know, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you heard. Agree, disagree, whatever it is. Um, but no matter what, no matter what your opinion is, we appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you listening to Striking Gold. And for another night, we're signing out. Peace. The wait's finally over. Football's back. You might not be out of game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season-opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.